Hello, thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance his kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. How's everybody doing this morning? This is our sixth and final week of our Come and See series. How many of you have enjoyed the series? I hope that you applied something so far. If not, I'm going to give you one last chance before we move on uh, going forward. So in this series, we really drew close to God. We realized that as we grow close to him, we see him in a new way. We see who he is. Uh, Just like the woman at the well, she showed up just like every single other day. But it just so happened that that day, Jesus was at the well waiting for her. And in that moment of when Jesus crosses your path, guess what? Our life changes. During this series, we talked about that, um, we, th- of realizing who Jesus really was, the ministry that he had, that we are enabled with the same source that he had. We have the same power living inside of us, that we've also been given his authority. And so the question that we have today in the title of this series is, or today is called, Now What? We've learned all of these things. We've studied all of these things. So I have the now what big question mark for you in in regards to what will we do? What will we continue to do? Will we continue to seek and draw near to God and be changed? Or will we just be satisfied? You know, um, and and I really believe that we have to answer that question. Now what, Pastor? What do I do from this moment forward? You know, it's it's kind of like when you spend a lot of time learning something, but you never apply it. That's the goal, that we've learned a lot that we've read a lot of what Scripture says, now it's time to get to work and begin to apply what we've learned. Um, so this morning, how many of you have ever heard the word follow-through, like the, a follow-through? Every, almost every sport that I know of has what they call the follow-through. So it's what, ch- what changes just a normal hit of a baseball into a home run. It's the follow-through where you're swinging all the way through the ball. It's what turns a soccer ball into a missile. I don't know if you've ever seen somebody kick it. The follow-through causes it. And, and even the follow-through for basketball players, it causes you to make that swish, nothing but net. I remember coaches growing up, they would always say, hey, your follow-through. Every time you shoot, you should stop the exact same way. And we know that the follow-through will cause great results, but a lack of follow-through will also co- uh, cause poor results. So just like the follow-through matters in sports, the follow-through today for you is going to determine the continual success in the future. If you don't keep following through, it doesn't matter if you had good intentions. It doesn't matter if you're trying. If you do not follow through, you will never maybe reach your God-given potential. So when we talk about a follow-through, this is how you get consistent results It's muscle memory. It's doing the same thing over and over again. And how many of you know that when you, let's say, you know, basketball, if you've shot enough basketball shots, how many of you know as soon as it leaves your hand if it's going to make it or not? You can feel when it's off. You can feel when it's wrong. You can feel if your balance was off. So a consistent follow-through is needed for consistent positive results. The follow-through consistently will get consistent results. So today we're going to focus on what can you do now? What will your follow-through be? What will you apply? What rhythms and routines will you add to your life? Uh, uh, What will you continually do to ensure that you continually grow? Right, because that's the goal. You know, I hope over time that you are sustaining a consistent spiritual walk with the Lord and you are seeing consistent growth. You know, that's always how I measure 
success or people say, oh, I'm being very successful. Well, what areas are you growing in? What areas are you developing in? Because you're like, oh, well, nothing's really changed. Oh, everything's the same. You know, I think growth has to be measurable, but for growth to happen, there has to be consistency in our lives in every moment. So what are we going to do? Where do we go from here? I want to start off by looking at Acts 2, 42 through 47. And I really believe that this passage is the blueprint for what a healthy, sustainable church looks like. It's one of my favorite passages because it really has a lot of the dynamic um, that I think makes a successful, healthy church life. So let's look at it. Acts 2 in verse 42, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God uh, and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added... uh, to their number daily, those who were being saved. So we see the principle of them devoting themselves, getting together, building community, relationship, signs and wonders. We see all of these things happening. Uh, and then at that, that last part says, and the Lord added daily the number of those who were being saved. Now, there's a lot of things that are measurable, that are, that are worth measuring in the church. One thing as a Christian that I always want to be aware of is how many people came to know Jesus. And I believe that's really one of the most critical questions we will ever ask. You know, it doesn't matter if somebody's doing well, if somebody's doing bad. The question that I ask, do they know Jesus? Because if they know Jesus or don't know Jesus, that can have long-term life-rendering consequences for the good or for the bad. Right? So we see all of these components. They did what they needed to do, but also God did His part. That many, many people were coming to the knowledge of Jesus. So this morning, we are going to look at four keys to consistent growth. How many of you are interested in consistent growth? How many of you have followed through with all your New Year's resolutions from January? You say, well, I started January 1st and I concluded February 1st. Right? Sometimes those goals, those habits, those things that we pursue, they, they don't, they are, they are short, they are with, with great motives and great excitement, but they are not maintained, they are not lived out. You know, so for consistent growth to happen, we have to have consistent habits. We have to have consistent things that we do over and over and over again. We need to be people of rhythm and routine and that follow through of what we do. How many of you know the follow through matters? The showing up every day, the doing what it takes. So we're going to look at four keys to consistent growth. Number one, it's super practical, but for you to have consistent growth in your life, you know what you need to do? Number one is you need to keep coming. You need to keep showing up to church Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. I believe that every Sunday that you show up, there's going to be something that God wants to deposit in your heart. I believe every single Sunday there might be something that God brings to your attention that he wants to change. Sometimes God wants to change you because he cares about you changing the lives of others. And for us to to make that kind of impact, we have to change. We have to be willing to allow God to do the work in us first before we can really be released sometimes to do the full work of what God wants for us. Right? There's There's a passage in scripture that, you know, talks about, you know, that we're so quick to try to remove a speck out of our brother's eye when it says all the time you have a plank in your own eye. It says come to your senses, take the plank out of your own eye first, and then you can try to get the, 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 the little piece out of your brother or sister's eye. 
You know, another rule, the blind leading the blind is a bad day. Right? Somebody has to see where they're going. Somebody has to know where they're going. It's important, but coming to church every single weekend should be, as Christians, just what we do. It says every single day they met where? In the temple courts. Now, they came to church every day. Only making you come one time a week as far as this corporate gathering. We, we gather once a week. We have two services available, one at 9, one at 11. So we have two services, but one day that we gather together. Um, but they saw the value in continually coming. They kept showing up. They kept watching. You know, they marveled at the goodness of God around them. You know, it says they, they, were, they were in awe of what the, the, the miracles and signs and wonders that the disciples or the apostles were doing. Well, you know what? If you don't show up, you don't get to see that. Right? You want, you want to see what the Lord is doing? You've got to show up where the Lord is working. Okay, And I believe that he's always working, he's always doing things in the life of the church. But it says, they devoted themselves to teaching, breaking of bread, and to, pray, to prayer. And all of these things, I believe, happen in the church. So who devoted, did, who devoted them? Was it, was it the pastor that was tracking them down and said, Trey, I know you ain't been here, brother, where are you at? Who devo- they devoted who? Themselves. So we have this mentality, well, if you want, Pastor, if you want me to live a good spiritual life, you got to check on me, you got to call me, you got to make sure I'm not slipping. Right? That's not what that passage, it says they devoted themselves, they got themselves here. Right? Once you get here, we can do something with that. But you got to be in the building to get what we're kind of serving up and what we're sharing and what we're going to communicate for the day to really help you. But you got to keep showing up. Don't let the devil convince you that, that not showing up is okay. I hear so many people said, yeah, you know, Pastor, you know, I, I got a relationship with the Lord, but, you know, I just don't, you know, I think I can get it from my couch. I think I can get it just by myself. I really disagree with that. I believe for you to be all that God wants you to be, to be challenged by other people, you have to be around other people. Um, and guess what? Sometimes the most impact in your life does not come from the pastor, but it comes from the relationships in the body. It might happen when you're over here having donuts and coffee. You're sitting across from somebody, and somebody says, hey, how's it going? And you're bold and courageous enough to say how it's really going, and then they minister to you, and your life completely changes. But that doesn't happen when we stay at home, when we stay disconnected, when we don't show up. We have to keep showing up. We have to keep coming. Um, How many of you know when you miss one Sunday, it's easy to miss another one? Habit, right? Oh, I missed, and oh, Pastor didn't call me. Nobody checked on me, man. They didn't even know I was there. I ain't even got to go anymore, right? So you miss another one, and immediately, I'm sure the devil says, "Oh, that wasn't that bad. You didn't lose your Christianity. You didn't. You're not going to go to hell now over it, right?" But let me tell you what: if the enemy can remove you from the body of Christ, he can isolate you. And you know what happens when he isolates you? He can destroy you. But I'll tell you what, if a big bad dude came in here and tried to jump up on one of you, he's got to deal with all of us. You can't pick off the body of Christ when the body remains intact. But just one little part of it, if you go by yourself, the likelihood of the enemy trying to destroy your life is highly probable. But if we fight together, if we stay united, you know, I believe that that, that will protect us. It says that the devil goes around like, like a roaring lion trying to find one that he can devour. He's not going to devour the church because God says in his word, you know, that that the, the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against the church, not the individual, but the church. When the church stands united and we stay connected as the church and we come to church, I believe that there that is the defense mechanism against the plans of the enemy. Okay, that will ensure our protection. 
Um, I believe that the devil will convince you that you don't need a church home and you can do life by yourself. I've talked to many people, well, I don't really do that church thing anymore. And, you know, if they were really honest to tell the story of how they got there, they were hurt, they were wounded. The, the, hard, the hard reality of church life is, guess what, we're all human. We're all people. We are all likely and, and highly probable that we're going to sin and respond incorrectly. But we have to fight for the unity of the church. We have to be willing to forgive. We have to be willing to kind of almost forget and put it behind us. Do you realize that all of the past hurts of your church life can affect your life, church life now? Because I see that. They're hurt from the past. I was like, well, just give it a chance again. Well, I ain't going to that church. And if, they're, if they don't know I'm a preacher, they may sound so, well, them pastors. When they know I'm a pastor, they don't bring my name into it. But if they don't know, man, they, you know, so... Hebrews 10, 24, 25, we hear this passage a lot. It says, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. So no, notice, we, sh we should stir what? One another. You can't stir. It's not saying stir yourself. We should stir each other on towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some of you are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Notice this says some of you are skipping, missing church, not coming to church, as some of you are in a habit of doing. Notice this is a habit problem. This is not a few, like, we have good, how many of you know we got good habits? We always remember to eat. It's a good habit. How many of you know we got bad habits, and we shall not say what these bad habits are? Right? We have good habits, we have bad habits, but nonetheless, habits are things that we will naturally automatically do without thinking. You just do them. You get up, you, get up, you go through the motions, you just go through it. It is a habit that's instilled. So we really want to make sure that we have a habit of showing, showing up every weekend. When we keep coming... Do you know that it allows us to be equipped for the work of ministry? Uh, Ephesians 4, 11 through 12, it says, So Christ gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip His people for the work of service. So my main job is not to call you every single weekend to make sure you're coming to church. But my job is, once you show up, to help equip you for the work of service, to give you the tools and the ingredients to live a successful, ministry-filled life. I hope that there's plenty of opportunities. You know, you're not going to say, well, Pastor, no, he never told me what to do. He never gave me four points of how to, man, I'm giving you tons of lists, right? I'm helping you today to even see how do we continually, consistently grow. We got to keep showing up weekend after weekend after weekend, all right? For the work of ministry. How many of you have ever strived to go to the gym and you had a gym workout partner to help you? The accountability factor. How many of you know that really helps? Because the day you don't want to go, you know what they say? Hey, get up. It's time to go. I'll be there in five minutes. They don't even ask. They say, hey, show up. I'm coming for you. So there is some of that good accountability in your life to reinforce good habits. We know that we will only reap the benefits of going to the gym if what? We go to the gym. Good intentions and bluebells sitting on the couch will not get it done, ladies and gentlemen we got to get from the place of where we're at and do what we need to do in order to get the results that we want. But we want to instill great habits. So getting an accountability partner. Um, how many of you also know that as God's flock, all through the Bible he talks about that the body is the flock. But in order to get fed as the flock of God, you have to show up at the designated feeding times. Guess what? At 1230, Pastor Noe's going home. If you show up after that, Pastor, I'm here. I'm sorry I was so late. Guess what? You have now missed the designated feeding time.
Because I am hoping that every single Sunday you show up and you get fed. Now, guess what? I'm not going to spoon feed you unless you're a baby. Now, if you're a baby, I'll spoon feed you. But I'm not going to stay there and continue to feed you. It's, it's cute when a little baby, oh, here comes the airplane. It's not, it's not cute when you're a 30-year-old. Come on, we have to grow. We have to self-feed. We have to come to the place. Uh, how, how many of you are going to go? You're going to go find lunch. That's not, you just come, well, I'm going to find food because I'm hungry. Guess what? You have to come every single weekend, and you need to feed on what's being served up. But you will, if you do not meet the feeding times, and you don't show up when the feed is, coming, is being put out to the flock, you'll miss the feeding time. Because I don't want to be up here, I'm just telling you, where I'm just scattering food, scattering food, scattering food, scattering food. Oh, this one showed up late. Okay, well, this one doesn't believe in showing up on Sundays. And we're just not going to do that. You have to show up at designated feeding times. That's at 9 o'clock and that's at 11 o'clock, right? Um, So we have to keep showing up every single time. You have to devote yourself to the fellowship. Um, Now, I really believe that devoting of yourself, it requires more than just Sundays. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. But just showing up on Sundays is not enough of devoting yourself. It says they devoted themselves every single day to go to church. Now, I'm not expecting that much, but I am expecting a little bit more than the weekend. But you need to commit, commit first and foremost to keep coming on weekends. That's a great start. Don't give up. Keep coming. So that's number one. Number two, keep connecting. So it's one thing to show up. It's another thing to connect. I can, I can, I can commit to showing up every single weekend, but if I am not connecting, I'm going to miss the big part of what God wants me to be. How many of you last night plugged in your cell phones? How many of you forgot to plug in your cell phone and you're like, oh, Lord. Oh, God. It's like, don't work real good when they're not plugged in. Why did we plug our cell phones in last night? So that they would work today. So we have to realize that we do that every single day and we remind ourselves to plug it in so that it will operate by its function and its design. Well, let me tell you what, connecting in the church is just like plugging in that cell phone. If you don't stay connected to the body of Christ in serving and connecting, you will not effectively function like God wants. I believe that's where we come to life, that's where we're satisfied, that's where the blessing of not just showing up and being served, but it gives you the chance to serve. How many of you know a cell phone would be pretty useless without staying connected? Man, it's a smartphone, but it'd be a dumb phone if it's not plugged in. So be a smart Christian, not a... Y'all awake? You staying with me? Come on. We got to stay connected. Showing up is one thing. Getting connected to the body of Christ uh, is a whole other thing. I have seen people come to life in serving. We do VBS, outreach, vacation Bible school. People serve, full-grown men, adults. That, and this, They come to life getting to serve. And it's, I'll see aspects or their heart to serve in ways that I never have. I'm like, man, I've never seen that guy act like that. On Sundays, just real. Man, kids ministry coming to life, playing. You know, just, man, it is just cool because I believe that serving is what brings us to life. Connecting to the big picture of what we're doing allows us to come to life, to be a part of it. But it says they devoted themselves to the fellowship. So we have to keep connecting. We have to keep showing up. We have to plug in. They devoted themselves. This is something you have to decide to do. I have, pe- I have had people tell me, well, pastor, I just don't really feel like this is the church for me. I mean, I'm fine with whatever. I so, said, well, what are, you, what are you looking for? I'll help you find a church because I'm an advocate of plugging into a local church. It doesn't have to be this church, but if you're here, I strongly encourage not just attending regularly, but connect regularly. 
But I ask them the first question when they say, well, Pastor, I don't know. You know, I just really hadn't plugged in. It's like, oh, man, okay. You're about to get set up in this conversation. So the first question I ask is, how often do you attend? And most of the time, they don't like that first question because they are not attending consistently enough to really benefit from what this church life. Let's say you missed every single one of these series already. And this is the first one. Week six, you showed up. And I say, man, wasn't that a good series? You're just kind of like, I'm going to say amen because I don't want nobody to know I missed all five of them. Right? It's going to be hard because sometimes they'll build, right? Building blocks. When we're building a house, what do we do? We don't just put the roof on first. We establish the foundation. Then we put up the walls. There is a method to the madness. So we try to build. But you have to show up. So the first question, hey, how often do you show up? Now, I hope it's often. But if they say, well, I'm showing up pretty often, you know, give or take. The next thing I ask is, where have you connected? And either they have or they haven't, but most of the ones that don't feel like that this is the church for them, they haven't shown up faithfully, and they haven't committed to serving anywhere. But I believe that when you show up and when you connect and when you serve, that is the glue that connects you to the body of Christ. Because we start seeing that I have a need of people in my life, but they also have a need for me, right? That I can't do it with or without somebody. Now, I think sometimes we're guilty of saying, well, this guy's just the crooked pinky finger. Right? Or this guy's the bent pinky toe, and we don't see the significance of it. Now, the moment you think that your pinky toe is insignificant, hit it on a door jam and see if it comes to life. That insignificant pinky toe all of a sudden became the most important part of your body because your whole body hurts. So God sees everybody as a part, but we have to connect. We have to see value in other people. We have to see value in ourselves, and we need to truly, truly connect. And this morning, if you're here and you're struggling, feeling like, man, is this where I'm supposed to be? Is this where I'm supposed to Get connected. We have opportunities to do that. So what have we done as a church to help you get connected? So we know that in order to have that connection, there has to be fellowship time. There has to be times that you're getting close. So um, what we do as a church, we offer life groups. So life groups, we have life groups on semester terms. So we have a fall, we have a spring, and we have a summer. So they, there's start times and there's stop times. Like if you jump on, a, if you get involved in a life group right now, you almost miss the boat because we stop the week prior to Thanksgiving and we take off December and January. Then we relaunch in February, March, April. Then we take off May and then we pick up June and July. Then we take off August and we take off September, or then we start again September, October, November. And that's the cycles. So it's not a hey, every day, all day, nonstop. We know that life gets busy. We open them up during the holidays because we know we, family, we value family, but that is a chance to connect. Men and women's ministries. We have men's meetings that we have the third Thursday of every single month. We have women's meetings that happen the last Thursday of every month. We have young adults. They meet here at the church at 7 o'clock on Tuesday. We have youth ministry that happens here on Wednesday at 7 o'clock. Our children's ministry happens during the service. And then we have a lot of extra special events that, are, that we schedule throughout. And that is a time to fellowship. Do you know why we do this? Because Sunday morning is a big part of the picture, but, but how many of you know weekday things are the glue that really make life happen? We're committing about an hour and a half to be together to hang out. That's not enough time to establish really, really good relationships. And you know on Sundays it's really hard for us to carve out a lot of fellowship time. Fellowship time in the church happens before the service and after the service. Like right now, it's not really geared towards fellowship. But let me tell you what, every single one of our weekday services, you know what they're geared around? fellowship 
connecting, being close, getting plugged in, sharing uh, with each other on a more intimate level. So we, we as a church, we have those available to you so that you can connect. If at this point you've just attended on Sundays, you can connect, but you've got to get here a little early. You need to stay just a little bit late. And if you're one of those ones, you're like, all right, the countdown's going. Okay, I'm going to sneak in. And as soon as it's like, amen, you mad dash. Trying to get to the restaurant or hang out for a little bit. Meet somebody new. Look who's around you. If there's somebody behind you you don't know, introduce yourself. We have to connect. All right? So what does devotion, so when we talk about that word, they devoted themselves. What does, what does devotion look like? Devotion says when I'm not feeling it, I'm going to stay connected. When, I'm not, when, I, when, I, when people haven't checked on me and I, and I feel like they should have, guess what? I'm going to stay connected. How many of you know that this device works two ways? We get so frustrated that people haven't checked on us, but have we checked on others? Or my good friends, I kind of hold them accountable. Be like, hey, Trey. I'm sorry I'm picking on Trey. He's my buddy. He loves me. <laughs> Trey, how come you hadn't checked on me in a long time? Man, you know, I've been preaching this whole series, and you went to Disneyland, and you didn't even call me see if I'm okay. <laughs> right? It works two ways, but it shouldn't just be where I'm always pouring out. I had a young girl ask me, what happens if somebody's really needy, and it feels like it's one-sided? What do I do? Those are very hard, sustainable relationships. Because how connection and how community should work is there is a give and take. That I'm giving and I'm bringing life to you, but you are also bringing life to me. That's the whole point. And it's just going to be a matter of time till you need somebody else. But guess what? Somebody might need you in this moment. So we feed off of each other, right? That's the way it works. We have to keep connecting. We have to choose to fight for the unity of Christ. It says that all believers were together and they had everything in common. That's that verse 44. We want to stay connected. We've often heard that we are all part of one body. Romans 12, 4 through 5, it says, For just as each of us has one body and many members, and these members do not have all the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body. We are each members belonging to the other. We're all connected. You know, um, I think God really places people in the right church. You know, you know, I often look around and it's like, you know, why do we have the people we have? Why, or why do we not have the people we have? Or, you know, but I believe God sits in the church. And as pastors, Becky and I, we just say, if this is where God is planning you and this is where God is leading you, hey, guess what? Keep showing up and keep connecting. That's how we grow. Same consistent strategy. So we keep coming. We stay connected. And we keep showing up, all right? Number three, then what? We keep contributing, okay? So connecting is one thing. Contributing is a whole other thing. How many of you understand that if we all contribute, there are always plenty of resources available? Now, I'm talking about finances, some, but I'm talking about gifts and callings and abilities. Uh, some of the key moments of this church, if, if you hadn't been here for a long time, we used to have pews in here. And we took all the pews out and we replaced them with chairs. I'll tell you what, when we removed the pews, that happened faster than I have ever seen. We had about 25 guys. As soon as the service was over, they started unbolting them, breaking the bolts. We had every pew we had outside the sanctuary like in an hour. And I was like, oh, man, I hope the chairs show up because there was no place to sit. But when everybody works together and everybody's contributing, amazing things happen. There was, a, there was another meeting that we had where we were getting some of the flooring redone in the back, and we needed a lot of that furniture moved. Well, as soon as I dismissed everybody, 
a lot of the men went back, and I got stopped right here real quick for a conversation. I went back there. There was nothing left in those rooms. They were all moved. Man, you're talking about the power of manpower, woman power, kid power. Whatever happened, the job got done. But it happened because people were contributing. Now, on the flip side, it's great when there's contribution. How many of you know it's really hard when you're the only contributor? Right? Me and Morgan had a strategy in that. We said, we either get everybody to help or we're going to have to do that Monday morning. Well, let me tell you what. I've done it both ways. But with people contributing maximizes the potential. It causes amazing things to happen rather quickly. If you've ever picked something up that's really, really heavy, how many of you know it's better to have a lot of people lifting than just lifting it by yourself? How many of you know when you're lifting something that's too heavy for you to lift by yourself, you're just being ignorant? Let's not do that in the church because God has asked us all to carry a little bit of the load so that the burden is light and it's easy. But we can only get to that place when everybody contributes. All right? So when we talk about um, contributing, you know, we believe that you can contribute of your time, which you're, you're giving some of your time today. Your talent, what are you good at in your treasure? You know, that's your pocketbook, what, your, your money. But gifts and time are a big deal, too. Like, sometimes I feel like I'd rather write a check because I don't have no more time to give. Sometimes my time is really, really valuable. But what is the gift that God has given you that you can contribute to others? So our goal of being part of the church is just that, to be part of the church. Not a part, but part of the church. We want to be connected to it. You know, one of the biggest blessings as a pastor is when somebody moves from being a consumer to being a contributor. Now, a consumer is always going to ask the question, well, pastor, I'm going to show up this morning. What is in it for me? Now, that's good when you're needy and you're, you're maybe immature. You're because How many of you know babies are very, very needy? You know, I was, I was talking to a gentleman in the first service. I was, like, I was like, she's a pretty good baby. Yeah, but when she's not happy or she needs something, what does she do? Ah, just, I mean, that's all they can say. They can't say, hey, feed me, change me, whatever, you know, hug me. You can't say that. They just, they just yell. They scream. It's just, it's just louder, medium grade, or, you know, like that's all they can do. So as a baby, we have to grow, and we have to realize that in that growth process, it's not about me. It's about others. A consumer says, what's in it for me? But I believe that, you know, if we stay infants, if we stay babies in Christ, I just, I just don't think that that honors God. Now, you just gave your life to the Lord and you're trying to figure this church thing out, we will give you all kinds of grace in the world. But I hope that next year, around the same time, you know, it's the same rule, you know, the joke, you know, feeding, feeding a 30-year-old. 30-year-olds wearing pampers ain't that cool either. you got to grow, but in our spiritual state, we want to grow. Now, let me tell you what. I think the ultimate test of growth and maturity is where we go from a consumer mentality to contributor mentality. Like I said, the consumer mentality says, what's in it for me? But a contributor mentality says, what can I do for others? It's the whole goal of pouring out, of loving on others. So this is really where... I think the majority of us need to get to. There's times that we are needy. There's times that we have need. But I believe that there should, the majority of our life should be focused on what we can contribute. Because there's struggle seasons and there's serving seasons. I believe there's moments where, hey, I am the one that needs the help. I need the support. But there are other times where that changes and we are the ones that are actually giving and serving others. I know that every single one of us get tired in our struggling seasons. 
But I believe that in those serving seasons or learning to serve, learning to contribute, I'm just learning that, that serving has a way of rejuvenating the soul. Have you ever been able to give something without any strings attached and, the, and really reap the blessing of that? Buying a kid something that they can't afford or that they don't deserve or whatever, whatever the situation is that you're able to give out. You find that it's better to give than it is to receive. It's, it's focusing on meeting the needs of others rather than meeting the needs of yourself. But a church that begins to focus on contributing versus consuming becomes a church that serves each other and it, it causes more impact because it impacts everyone. There's a phrase in the Bible that's, that occurs a hundred times in the New Testament. It's called the one another's. Um, and 59 of those actually teach us how to relate to others. How many of you sometimes have a hard time relating to people? So I just have a hard time. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to relate. I don't know how to be whatever. But this, these, there's 59 in the New Testament. I'm not going to share all of them. But how many of you know that in order to, to do one of these one another commands, you have to be around other people? Right? So that one of the first one is greet one another. If nobody's there or you're by yourself, it's impossible to greet somebody else. So greeting one another, you know what that is? That's a simple hello. Shaking somebody's hand, looking them in the eye. Hey, good to see you this morning. Glad you're here. So greet one another. Another one is encourage one another. Prefer one another. Comfort one another. Forgive one another. All of these are commands in how to relate to others. But we keep contributing as we bless and we serve one another. So we need to learn how to serve each other well. But that happens through contributing, not consuming. You know, church life would be very sad and and it would probably be pretty rough if everybody was concerned about contributing or, or just consuming. You know, what if, I, what if I showed up on a Sunday and I just said, this, I'm not preaching no more. Somebody else is going to preach. I'm tired of serving everyone. Can y'all warn me next time, Pastor? <laughs> like, you know, right? But we should all be looking around, not saying, man, what can I get? But, man, how can I serve those to my left? How can I serve those to my right? Lord, how can I contribute to the big picture of what we're doing? So, number one, we keep coming. Number two, we keep connecting. Number three, we keep contributing. Don't give up. And all of these things happening will make for a great church culture. But then there's one more dynamic that I think changes the DNA. Uh, we have to keep carrying it out. What do I mean by this? So, Keep carrying it out means whatever God is doing inside the four walls of the church, take that and give it to the world around us. If God's working in you, he's changing you, or he's giving to you here, let's take what we have and give it, out, give it away. In verse 46, it says, they, every day they continue to meet in the temple courts. Let me tell you what, the, the, old, the modern church understood church. They showed up every single day in the temple courts. They met together. Um, now, look what happens shortly thereafter. It says they broke bread in their homes and they ate together with sincere hearts. So they took the church life into the home life. They didn't stay within the four walls of the church. So what they did, they broke bread and they ate with what? Sincere hearts. So in their homes with each other, they, they spent time with each other. This wasn't just something that they did at church, but they moved outside the four walls of the church. They worked on building fellowship, relationship, and community. So they went from the temple into the homes. So this is why, like for me, life groups in homes is a big deal. Having people into your homes is a big deal. How many of you know it's a lot, it's, it's kind of intimate to let somebody into your home? Right? Because I feel like we can show up sometimes on a Sunday and look like we have it all together. Well, let me tell you what. You come over to Pastor Noe's house uninvited. My house is lived in. Got three kids. 
There's probably going to be stuff everywhere. My house is lived in. It's not a model home. Now, if you warn me, it'll give me a good chance to yell at my kids. Say, Let's clean this place. Somebody's coming. Da, da, da. Throw everything in the closet, button it all up, make it look really, really good. But most of the time when somebody is welcomed into our home, they see the real us. They see the flaw. They see the mess. They're like, wow, pastor, you have dirty dishes? Yes, I do. Like, we're human, right? They see the real us. But I'll tell you what, there's something intimate about having people into your home. They get closer to you. They see your family pictures. They, you know, right? You know, it's just something intimate about that. But we, we move from inside the church to outside the church. So there is a huge part of what we do on weekends, but it's even more critical. What do we do during weekdays, right? Are we plugging into what the church has, but are we also allowing people to have access into our lives, we have more time to be connected Monday through Saturday than we do on Sundays. How many of you have ever went to a restaurant and, you, and they ask you for dine-in or carry-out? Right, you hear me say that, for dine-in or for carry-out. Now, I really believe that as churchgoers, there are a lot of times where we come and our idea is always to dine-in and we don't have the idea of carrying out. Now, let me tell you what, the whole goal of people carrying out what they came to get was so that they can go eat where at? Outside. And usually they're taking it back to their homes. They're taking it to family. It is going to nourish people outside the four walls. And that's the whole point. We do not want to be a church that is for dine-in only, but we want to be a church of people that carry out everything that we've received and give it to the world. You ever went to the King Buffet when they're filling those to-go plates? Man, they load them things up. They're going to eat that buffet at their house. But let me tell you what, as we come to church, we get filled up. And this morning, you should come with the attitude of saying, hey, I'm carrying out. I'm loading up my tray. I'm getting filled up. I'm taking all of these things. And you know what some of us are guilty of, though, sometimes? I think sometimes we treat the carry out like we treat our bulletin. You get that bulletin when you come in. You got something to show. You leave it on your seat and you leave. You would never go to a restaurant and say, hey, I'm here to carry out. You pay for it. It gets made. You're like, oh, yeah. You leave it on the counter and walk out. Would you do that? Oh, no, I'm taking that food. I paid for it, and it smelled good, and I'm going to take it home, and we're going to enjoy it. That's God's plan. We have to carry out what we are receiving here and share it with the world around us. We need to invite people over. We need to be a little bit more vulnerable. I'm not saying be friends with everybody, but you need to be friends with some people. You need to have pe people close to you because they will help you grow. We cannot grow without people. You know, it says, as iron sharpens iron, right? Not iron sharpens itself, right? We sharpen one another. It says a brother is built for adversity. We need people in our lives. But we take and we receive what God has given us, and we go give it. Freely we have received, freely we can give. Everything that we receive is our heart to quickly give it away. You know, often God will multiply what's in our hands. You know, if we look at the story of the fish and the loaves, Jesus said, what do you have? You know, he didn't say, what do you not have? He said, what do you have? He said, well, we got a few fish and a few loaves. And they took what was in their hands and they multiplied it. They took and they gave it away. I'm going I'm to teach you a very, very powerful uh, principle. It's the principle of open hands. We have to realize that every good and perfect gift, everything that God gives us is a gift for us, but not necessarily just for us, but for people around us. And if you keep your hands opened, God will take these things from heaven might be finances, might be, it, might, it can be a whole lot of things. But he takes these resources that are his and he places them in your hands. Well, I'll tell you what, anytime I give my kids something, you know what they immediately do? They grab a hold of that and what do they say if they're really feeling selfish that day? Mine, right? 
a lot of times we think what God is giving us for, is for us, but what God is really doing and giving us is not for us, but for others. So when we keep our hands open, God will give us things. But tell me, look right here. But there's moments that he will take things back and give them away. Well, the moment we clench our hands around them and say those are ours, those are mine, God will still get it out of your hands. But how many, how many of you know it will be a lot more painful if you keep with clenched hands that which God, which God wants you to have with open hands? Let me tell you a quick little story. When we were in Dallas, my wife and I, we were doing ministry. Nowhere in the capacity we're doing now, but we got a love offering. We never got love offerings. Like it was just kind of like this random love offering. We were young. We were broke. We didn't have a lot of money. And uh, we just got that money, and we didn't spend it. And that is by the grace of God because we held on to that money for three months. Now, let me tell you what. If you get money that you weren't planning to get and you have that money for three months, what did you do with it? Oh, we spent it, right? We didn't keep it, but we just felt like that was the thing. We said, Lord, is this our money or is this money you want us to do something with? So we held on to that money for three months. We said, well, we don't really need it. All of our needs are met. But we also saw that, and we didn't know if that was for us or not. Three months later, we had an opportunity to give that we felt the Lord was leading us to. And you know what? We had it with open hands. So what he set in, uh, in our hands wasn't even ours. We were just being a steward of it. And then he demanded it back as we blessed another family. I'll tell you what, Pastor Noe was really glad that day that I wasn't selfish and spent that money. Because you know what God would have done if I would have spent that money? He still would have demanded it. And once I spent it, it's going to be harder because now I don't have it. So there are times that God gives stuff for us, but there's often times that God gives stuff for you. Can you guys stand up with me? We're closing. There's a principle that I believe to be true that if God can get it through you, he'll get it to you. That we do not want to cut off the flow of what God is sending from heaven to the earth to us on behalf of others. So we have to take what he's given us and we have to be his ambassadors. We have to be the ones that take it to the world. Will you give somebody Jesus this week? What if you have, a, have somebody that you're working with that they're discouraged, they're depressed, they say, I don't know what to do, my life is falling apart. I challenge you to boldly and courageously just say the name of Jesus. Because truly, Jesus will change everything. We have the hope. We have the, we have the, the secret sauce that, ma that makes everything in life manageable. Doesn't mean that we don't have problems. Doesn't mean that it's easy. But we have a hope that the world doesn't have. I hope today that you've received something that you can take with you. Don't just leave it on the chair. And come back next week. And think that the, 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 the greatness of God's church was for the inside. Because I believe that his kingdom is external. It's giving to the world around us. So I want to challenge you to keep coming. Keep connecting. Keep contributing. And then keep carrying out all of the things that God has given you. I believe some of you will find moments this week to give the love of Jesus to somebody. You have it with you. You've got a whole buffet full that you can take out. But don't say, mine. Come on. Because what you'll realize is you've been given more than enough. You won't go starve. You won't go hungry. But you'll learn, learn that God provides enough every single day to meet all of your needs. And guess what? Here's the big key. 
to meet the needs of others. Because it's always been bigger than just you. But thank God that God found me and God found you and has invited us to be a part of this big kingdom initiative on the earth. Amen. So I'm hoping during the course of this series, I know we spent a lot of time, six weeks together. I hope that you just didn't write down some good notes, but you really saw Jesus for who he is. That he's revealed some things in your heart that he wants to deal with or or catapult you forward in. And that you're excited about the road ahead. And that you commit to move forward. Because consistent growth is a big deal to God. It's a big deal to me. That year after year we will see ourselves moving closer and closer to Jesus. Rather than further and further away. Amen. Let me pray for you. We got, we got prayer teams available this morning. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in this place. Father, as we go from this place, I pray that your presence would go with us. Father, if there's anyone here that doesn't know you, I pray that today that they would realize that. And, Father, that they would just um, know that they have need of that this morning. If there's anybody here this morning that doesn't know Jesus, said, oh, man, I don't have a relationship with him. This whole message doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. But today you are choosing to give your life to God, believing in Jesus, that he died on the cross, was dead, buried, rose again, and you just want to surrender your life to him. It's a good day to come into the house of God. Before you leave, I just would encourage you to come forward and meet up with one of these prayer teams available and make that choice that will radically change your life forever. But for all of us, Lord, in this room that know you, Father, I pray that we would do something with that knowledge. Lord, that we would take what we've received here and share it with the world. As we go from this place, go with us, Lord. And Father, I thank you for what you're doing, seen and unseen. Bless each each person under the sound of my voice, physically, spiritually, ways they know about, ways they don't. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.